Michael Malice, uh, first of all, let me just say on behalf of all the American people, thank you for your service. <laughs> I I know you don't get enough of that. Um, so we're we're thanking you. How are you? I am good. I'm I'm glad you uh had to wait two minutes before sending me a smart ass text. I'm a very, very punctual person. And I get like, when it's like a few minutes before anything, I start to get all twitchy if people aren't around, even, even like parties, Heather's like, my wife is like, people don't show up right when a party's supposed to start. And if they don't, I start to get all antsy. Well, it's very important that you pass your anxiety onto other people. That's exactly what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, Snapping your fingers. Where are you? Well, look, I saw that you hadn't confirmed the calendar invite and I uh-huh. run everything through my calendar. So I just, I wanted to make sure, you know? Right. Let's uh, read this text that I just got from you at 1102. No idea if this is still your cell, but you're standing me up for our date and I'm very hurt. I thought we had something. <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to make sure. Um, yeah. Michael, oh, you're, you've made sure some things. That's for sure. Yep. I'm on your, I'm on your shit list now. I just woke up. I, I did not need this first thing. I've got four no, interviews I, today. I remember when I, I think when we did our Don't you think when chaos is in DC, I'm the first one people are going to be calling? <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. Do you not think so? No, I know. I know. I know. And I was thinking about this. It's 11 a.m. for you. And last time we talked, which was several years ago, I asked you about your routine. And I yeah. remember that it didn't start very early in the morning at all. And so I was, uh, I'm impressed. You're here and you look bright eyed and bushy tailed. Yeah. It's so the magic I, of I wanted to- light. What's that? It's the magic of this light. I wanted to talk to you originally about professional libertarians and why they're all cowards, but I, I actually, I wonder if that's just too boring. Like maybe they're not relevant enough for that to even be interesting. Um, I, I mean, it's up to you. Of course, it's your, your podcast. Okay. Well, if I mean, you, have... you can't complain about boring with that decor behind you. It's like some kind of, what is that? One Elm? What is going on it's there with like, those plants? Uh, yeah. It's it. They're barn doors. The um, doors I like, but this the bed spread is very neutral. Oh, it's just a. The plants are making me upset because I'm a plant person. What's wrong with those? Those are my wife's plants. What's wrong? They're just them? so generic. I'm gonna tell her that you said she was a basic. Yeah, tell her you could get good plants for the same price. Okay, so how can you see them? They're so far away. Because I know what those are. Because you get them at Home Depot. Okay. Yeah, that's probably where she got him. Of course it is. It's your home. The barn doors are great. She didn't get those at Home Depot. This is a new home and uh, we haven't really made it our own yet. We're still still putting, you know. Plants came with the house? Furnishings. What's that? The plants came with the house? Uh, No, but they, you know, they're they're that generic, I should say. Um, Okay, look. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna talk about why uh, professional libertarians are are cowards. Maybe that will come up later. But I wanted to ask you something. I started noticing, it, it, just in 2020, I started to have this realization. I found myself listening to more and more of your podcasts. Wait, you know, noticing has a connotation on the internet, right? No. Okay, keep going. I'm not internet savvy. Like yeah, that's that word has meanings that you don't not aware of. Well, tell me, what is it? Oh, it means anti-Semitism. Oh, it does. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So give me, give me a context or usage that would mean that. If someone has it in their Twitter bio, that's them. That's code for being an anti-Semite or they wouldn't call themselves anti-Semite. It would say what? Noticing if that. Noticer. 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 
Okay. Uh, well, geez, I literally have this question written down as I started noticing. I, I yeah. Had Does that mean that I'm secretly an anti-Semite? I don't think it's a secret. <laughs> I think we know. So, so I found, well, let's put it this way. I didn't really listen to a lot of your podcasts for years. I would hear in there because they're mostly about politics and current events, which I kind of don't like. Right. Yeah. So I started you and Dave Smith talking. I was like, I couldn't get enough of these. Oh, Dave's the best. And you noticed something about him, right? What's that? You got to notice something about him. I don't notice anything about Dave. I swear. Um, And the reason I kept being drawn to, to you uh, your, your gravitational pull because you were the most optimistic guy around and, and okay. So this took me by surprise. I did not think of you as that. I thought like, I'm a pretty sunshiny, optimistic guy. And you always seem a little bit more like, you know, you even said when you came on my podcast years ago, you said that I was like Superman and you were like Batman, you were a little darker, you know, did you change and become more full of sunshine or did I just misunderstand? Like you seem like the most optimistic guy I can find anywhere these days. I have changed because I don't, I'm self-actualized. So I have a support site, like it's a community, right? It's free to join. Um, people can chip in $5 to contribute and post and read my like special content. So it's basically this like Facebook Patreon amalgam that um, amalgam, however it's pronounced. That's one of those words you never say; you only see written. Oh yeah, so you, you know how it's pronounced. Dave Rubin started it, um, and because of that, because of my podcast, and because of like tips I get on Twitter, I never have to worry about getting fired. I, I, you're a dad; you've got a few kids. You have to worry about your wife. You have to worry about your kids. I'm a New York bachelor. I don't have to worry about any of these things. As a consequence of this. I never have to do a lot of things. I never have to talk to someone I don't want to. I never have to engage in small talk. I never have to be nice. Um, I don't have to suffer fools. Like so, when you can be yourself twenty five eight, it's it also fuels your worldview. But also, I think things have gotten so much better in every way in the last few years that I I I, I think it's just so obvious that things are getting better. All right. Make the case for that. I mean, where do you go where you don't hear people say it doesn't matter what political orientation or whatever. Everyone says 2020 was like the worst year ever. Um, why have they gotten so much better? What do you see? I'm seeing a increased lack of legitimacy on behalf of the corporate media. I'm seeing an increased sense of contempt for government um, with some very important groups. Um, and I'm seeing more, I think you can't fight a, um, conflict without understanding the nature of the problem. And for a long time, the, um, delusion or, or actually the lie between like Republicans and Democrats, which I'm neither, of course, was, you know, Mitch McConnell goes to Kentucky and he says, Nancy Pelosi's terrible. Send me money and I'm going to go to Washington and fight her. And everything he says is, from his perspective, true and honest. And Nancy Pelosi says, Mitch McConnell's terrible. He doesn't represent our values. Send me money so I can fight him. And she goes to San Francisco. And the whole time they're engaged in this pantomime, it's identical to wrestling, pro wrestling. The New York Times and Harvard Law 
are lobbing grenades from behind the battlefields. No one's even bothering to aim any kind of conflict in their direction. And what I what uh, people have started to realize on the right is I had this poll on my Twitter. I said, if you had to have a, a Supreme Court nominee, who would you rather have? A random Democratic senator or a random member of the New York Times editorial board? And it was like 70 to 30, correctly, in favor of this Democratic center. Nancy Pelosi does not hate you anywhere near as much as the New York Times does. Uh, They don't hate you as much as the Harvard Law faculty does. And now that there's an, and the second Trump lost, you had all the people on the new right, they they thought the the, uh, establishment that they're going to go turn towards Biden and it's going to revert back to 26, um, 2020, and it's going to be the same Republican Democrat. They all immediately set their sights on CNN. They all immediately set their sights on corporate media. And that is historically unprecedented. And that is healthy because they're the ones, corporate media, uh, and the forces behind them, like the academia, who are the ones driving the conflicts for war. They are the ones who will have blood on their hands. They've had this for over 100 years. And if you take away the state's ability to murder people and murder our kids and murder kids overseas, how is that not enormous progress? Well, <clears throat> so you see the um, pushback on the, the cathedral, uh, as it's called, um, which is sort of the, all the, the parties that you mentioned, as that, that limits the state's ability to murder people? If Joe, we, everyone already knows right now that Joe Biden's going to try to get us into Syria and everyone's already getting their ducks in a row. That has not happened before. And especially from the conservatives who are so historically pro-military and during the Bush years just couldn't wait. They had a list. They were sitting in the Oval Office with a list of what countries were going to conquer as if it's like a shopping list. And when you're conquering countries, you're killing people. So, so the opposition to Biden doing these things, you don't think that's just because he's a Democrat and Republicans will oppose it. You think it's more because the cathedral will support it. And that's why we're, like the, the right is not rebelling against the political left in terms of the Democratic Party as much as they are against this cathedral. Yeah. And you saw it during the Trump years, you know, when Trump was kind of they're trying to push him into Syria and he's holding the line like the, the animus toward this pro-Syria thing uh, was very strong, especially on social media, which drives a lot of um, you know intellectual discourse, despite what people claim to the contrary. And they were doing it, you know, correctly. Like they were because it wasn't there weren't really that many prominent Democrats who were arguing and you know, elected officials, we need to be into Syria. It was like all the talking heads, all the punditry. Um, they were invoking the Holocaust and have, have had no consequences for doing this. And it's also kind of, uh, it speaks to the level of their depravity um, when it was recently revealed that the commander in chief was lied to about how many troops were in Syria. And instead of them thinking, well, this is a real major constitutional crisis that they were like, isn't it funny? Trump's an idiot. And it's like, oh, okay. Like now we, the you guys can't help yourselves in flapping your gums and, um, edifying what your values and priorities are. And again, anytime they do that, trust is asymmetric. If I tell you, you know, 10 lies and 990 truths, I'm not an honest person. So if they're like, oh, we're against war, we're against war, we're against war, 
but as soon as there's a possibility, they're just salivating it at the at the bit. It's it's going to be very clear where they stand. So I, I think this is really the fact that um, it's you know become so um, central to political thought to have this virulently anti-war perspective is wonderful. Historically, uh, the right used this as a cudgel against the left. You guys are weak. You're cowards. You know, you, you blah blah blah. And to have the military people, the veterans, now be the ones who are so prominently anti-war is is great. Like someone I know started a, you know, eye on Crenshaw for Dan Crenshaw to call him, hold him accountable for his kind of warmongering ways. And wait, he's wait, trying. Wait, wait. Was it called eye on Crenshaw? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So the the way it needs to be fought is to be as um, disrespectful and contemptuous as possible because we're not going. to to have this conversation. So the slogan I already have ready is Joe Biden wants to kill your kids. Um, so we're not sitting down and talking about it like a marginal tax cut. You're saying you want to take Americans, young men and women who are pillars of their community, get them on planes and ship them overseas to kill people. My response is go to hell. We're not going to have this civil discussion. You are disgusting. You should be in jail. Uh, and that's where our starting position is. This is why you make me so happy all the time. Uh, <laughs> Except at 11.01 p.m. a.m. You're optimistic, but you're not nice. Uh, but this isn't, all I'm saying is based on data. This isn't like everything's going to be great. I'm no, laying out why I'm optimistic. No, I, and I feel, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I Sometimes I it's easy for me to forget myself, something that I like, you know, you know how you'll research something and then you'll you'll understand it on an intellectual level, but then you go about your life and you'll sort of forget that you know that, right? Yeah, of course. The, the, the idea that war is the health of the state. That's yeah. a slow Randolph Bourne. Yeah, Randolph Bourne, who was a uh, You also DM'd me. Are you are you insane? Hell of a guy. Well, because I saw you on Twitter. And I was like, oh, he's on Twitter now. Maybe he doesn't check his email. I know a lot of people that don't check email. Yeah, that doesn't check email. That's why I texted you like that, like that psycho girl who wants to go on a date just to sort of make fun of myself. Oh my God, um, yeah. I, yeah. I want to make sure I have my bases covered. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, but the, you know, if you, the, the long history of, I guess, like yellow journalism, um, like the, 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 I guess the two things that look to me like necessary components of any kind of war are the power of the printing press and yeah. uh, in terms of printing money. And the power of the printing press in terms of uh, making opinion. Yeah. And if you have everybody, nobody really knows what to do about the government printing press component. I feel like people feel fairly helpless in the face of, um, you know, sure. central banking. But everybody can turn on the corporate media. And I think they oh, yeah. that's a really good that's a really good check on war. And I guess I hadn't thought of it. And that's another great example, because I, I talk about this constantly, which is we're taught in school. Spanish-American War, you know, uh, remember the Maine, whatever all that stuff is. Uh, we, they lied to get us into war. Record scratch. And then the, the corporate media became objective. It's like, what, they don't even pretend. Like, what year do you guys claim that, what, when we're in 1917 and we have to go to Europe to fight the Hun? Because the Kaiser is the worst person who has ever lived and will ever live. Do you know one of the reasons that the Holocaust happened? is because all the World War One anti-German propaganda was so ridiculous over the top that when reports started coming out about Hitler, they didn't have video cameras back then, and Nazi Germany was obviously extremely censored. It was hard to get information out. They were like, oh, we heard this all before. This is all lies. Uh, you guys said this about the Kaiser. So the, the moral of the boy who cries, cries wolf, which people forget about, is the wolf actually shows up at the end. It's not that he's just complaining for no reason. The consequences are really bad. So the blood on the hands of these people is without cessation. 
Um, I talk about this in my forthcoming book about what they did, how much water they carried for Stalin and continue to carry for Stalin and his genocides to this day. Um, and they need to be held accountable. I'm going to be doing my, my small part. So when you talk about the, the corporate press, I want to ask you about uh, conspiracy theories. Sure. So, you, so you've had some uh, incredibly entertaining conversations with you and Tim Poole and Alex Jones. Oh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> those are like, those are like uh, Christmas presents or something. Um, to what extent do you think there is like, you know, whatever, uh, I know there was stuff back in the seventies project mockingbird and whatever that where the sure. CIA is like, Hey, we've got people at all these newspapers. Oh, we're only using it overseas. And whatever. Do you think that there's like coordinated efforts by the corporate press to try to create narratives because they're controlled by some more dark, sinister force, or is it just, the incentive structure is such that the types of people who go there are rewarded for certain types of behavior. And so they do that. Is it a, is it a spontaneously evil or is it coordinated evil? So let's, let's break this down. There's lots of um, institutions in America. So you can talk about feminists. You could talk about athletes. You could talk about Congress, the president, the Supreme court, the universities, the newspapers, um, you know, minority groups, LGBT, it is only when you invoke the CIA that the reaction is that you're a crazy person. <laughs> Any other institution that you attack, people will have a conversation. But isn't it interesting that as soon as you say CIA, you're crazy. Uh, and when you tell people that the CIA did X, Y, and Z, and that they admitted to doing X, Y, and Z, they will still call you crazy for things that are you know, documented and well-known. Uh, the Constitutional Convention was a conspiracy. Harvey Weinstein, people protecting him was a conspiracy. Bill Cosby was a conspiracy. And we heard for three years, there was a conspiracy between the president and the Russian government to either get him elected or they were blackmailing him or something like that. And this was presented on every uh, major you know, corporate media news outlet every night for years. And then at the same time, as soon as you figure there's any kind of coordination between different agencies that isn't done publicly, you're a loon. So it's a very effective word used like racist or, or white supremacist or insurrectionist to just shut down conversation and preclude the need for the person uh, you were talking to, to have to think or inquire further. There are many mechanisms in place designed. Uh, they're kind of like uh, um, brakes on the car or not brakes or maybe safety cables, like when you're repelling, so you're not falling too fast, that as soon as things go in a direction that is not advantageous to, you know, the arbiters of popular opinion, that the brain shuts down and doesn't go down this road too much. So uh, I, I don't think this is all uh, CIA coordinated at all. Uh, I think when you have every journalist being a product of these universities and universities being literal monasteries that preach a certain faith, they're all going to have the same outlook, the same conclusions, and independently, they're going to view things in the same way. So it's going to appear coordinated, but like if you and I all got our clothes, you know, at the same store, we're going to be dressing alike, even if we're in different parts of the country. Or so if your I, wife I, goes to Lowe's to buy plants, you can yeah. probably find those same plants in uh, many homes. Across it looks country. like stock art. <laughs> stock plants. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you don't see it as a conspiracy uh, in terms of the news making. Do you think that the CIA is still actively participating in the dissemination of domestic 
information and trying to create and control narratives? I, I, I am decreasingly believing this, if only because so much of what we learned about the CIA, and I know, I know I'm going to sound naive to a lot of people, has demonstrated their incompetence. They don't seem to that be. That doesn't sound naive to me. Like if you study governments or spend any time close to them of any kind, it's very hard. That's the hardest thing about conspiracy theories to believe is the ability to pull them off. Right. And, and it, you know, you look at this deep state stuff that was going on against Trump and it's like, these didn't seem to be these kind of Machiavellian, sophisticated supervillains. They seem to be, uh, um, you know, bumbling apparatchiks. And then I can already hear their counter argue in my head. Yeah, well, that's the public face behind them are the Machiavellians. And that's possibly true. Like, I don't know how many, if it's turtles all the way down, I don't know when you get to the ones who are dangerous, but I don't know what, I, I don't believe, let's put it this way, before the CIA existed, I think a lot of these um, things were still happening. I don't think the CIA got us or the predecessor got us into World War I. It's it, what's hard for me to, to parse sometimes is who actually has an ideological motivation versus other motivations. Because as you said, you know, Pelosi or whatever, she's actually not that much of a threat. And I, I years ago, decades ago, I worked in politics at the state level. And I remember I went in as this, you know, teenager, libertarian, whatever, like this, everybody's going to be like, ready to fight for their big government ideology. And like, no one has an ideology. None of these politicians, yeah. none of these staffers, they're just stuff suits like finger in the air. What do I need to do? What rhetoric do I need to adopt? And the, and the reporters are pretty much the same. They don't like being treated badly by politicians and conservatives usually were rude to them and didn't go out to drinks with them. So they would be harsher on them. They didn't like hypocrisy and they liked to kind of rally the wet, but they didn't, it wasn't like primarily ideologically driven. It was like status driven or other things. So I'm wondering like, are there people trying to push a particular philosophical agenda or is it just a bunch of little petty fiefdoms that people are trying to maintain of, of status and money and whatever else? I think once they're trained at university, they're, 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 they know what to do. I mean, my buddy Cernovich, he was in the White House press courtroom and he described it, and that's the top level, right? He described it exactly as what you were saying, because the big argument is, are they evil or are they stupid? And his point goes, no, you don't understand. These people are really dumb. And it's like high school in there. They're all texting each other, why Cernovich here? And it's like, he's like the energy in the room. You know very quickly if someone is a heavy intellect, maybe that you disagree with, or if someone is just like, how is this person here? Uh, was that the Peter principle where you fail up to the level of your incompetence? Yeah. Uh, and when you see them, you know, some of their Twitters, these are not, um, this is one of the great things I love about Twitter, which I'm obviously very active on. When you see people like the example I always use is Lawrence Tribe, Harvard law professor. He was the one who, you know, wrote the, uh, or helped the Democrats with their impeachment uh, proceedings. Uh, back in the day, you think Harvard law professor, okay, maybe his ideology is something I disagree with, but this is going to be really a top of the top rarefied intellect. And when you see him on Twitter posting like your Facebook friend from high school, you're like, this, this is just a miserable old lesbian. Uh, this is not someone worthy of veneration or respect. And this is another reason to be optimistic. These are not these kind of sophisticated, uh, fast on their feet thinkers. Um, and it's it's kind of a joke that this is the face of the big, big like if you're playing a video game you know like you want the bad guy to be like Ganon or Bowser and these are mushrooms. Uh, okay, so I don't want to say I Goomba because that's racist. No, I, 
I, I like the, I share the optimism in terms of the respectability of respectable credentialed whatever people is crumbling. And I think that's, that's good and necessary. And, and maybe that's a check on war. Um, it probably is. And I think that's very good. How do you stay optimistic in the face of what's happening right here, right now? I mean, like half the country has been more or less on house arrest for almost a year. There's just crazy, like, I guess the way I put it is I feel like the Overton window is now broken. It's not like it shifted. It's like, there is no Overton window. Good. It's not the goal anymore, but it's not the goal. I don't want discourse. Well, it's not so much for discourse, it's predictability. That's what, like, I used to be able to feel like I could say, okay, if a politician came out and said, I want to abolish taxes, that won't fly. Or if they said, I want to 10x taxes, that wouldn't fly, right? You knew that there was a range that was possible. I feel like anything's possible. I truly am like- Anything possible is is a pessimist. That's literally the definition of optimism, isn't it? Well, except if you have, let's say you got four kids in a family- and you're sure. thinking about future planning, right? Think about it from an entrepreneur standpoint. If you're entering a market where you have zero ability to predict anything, that's a very difficult market to navigate. Sure. You need some range that you feel, okay, surely it will not go further than this, right? In either direction. And that lets you plan. It doesn't mean that it's good that it's bounded, but it means that planning is easier and stability is, is, um, is there. So I feel like that's shattered. I'm like, like I don't know. Are, are, are people going to, I mean, there are people already talking about rounding up political dissidents and like putting, I don't know, putting them in camps. I have no idea. So do you, do you not feel troubled by the domestic scene? Um, or do you feel very hopeful when you see that as well? I'm extremely hopeful because like you said, I think anything is possible. I think beforehand, the guarantee was the growth of the state at the expense of the private sector. Uh, it meant more children going to public schools where they're going to be broken uh, and destroyed as human beings. That was an inevitability. Uh, the, the bleeding dry. Of the, we have. I, I, I'm not going to pretend we have seen a systemic assault on mom and pop shops and the middle class in 2020, the likes of which we have never seen anywhere before uh, in America. This We have watched corporate America cheer on the literal and figurative destruction of small business, uh, both through rioting and through uh, these shutdowns. And I think you're not going to get to where you want to go without some pain in the midterm. Are you Uh, saying you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet, Michael? I'm saying, I don't know if it's eggs. I crack a few skulls um, to make an omelet. I think the fact that uh, there is... People often talk about the silo effect. Uh, I think that that is increasing more and more. Here's another example. People talk about the imperial presidency, right? How the president has become removed from the people. Back in Thomas Warren Harding, I think it was, answered the White House door. Uh, then you couldn't. Uh, then you couldn't drive a car on uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. And now, you know, after what happened this week with the storming of the Capitol, Congress is going to get more and more removed from the people. Good. Uh, there needs to be less of this. This clarifies things. There needs to be an understanding that these people and the police uh, have no respect for you. They view you as a resource. Um, they are absolutely your enemy. Uh, they are going to be drinking champagne while they make it a felony for you to leave your home and to uh, earn a living. And once you have that understanding, which has always been the case, 
then you could proceed in a healthy direction. We the thing people need to realize is it's not that it's gotten bad. It's gotten bad in what its implementation with the lockdowns. But this it's not that you uh, you're getting a diagnosis for the first time. Uh, you've been sick for years, and now you realize, oh, you know, I have cancer. What can we do about this cancer? Because before, like for three for years, you didn't feel too bad. The cancer was still there. So it, it's the red pill. It's the, oh, I'm actually not in this quaint environment. I'm I'm trolling around on this beat up spaceship or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Subterranean. Um, so, okay. So I guess looking forward, do you think elections as we know them are over? Um, <laughs> hold on a second. This is Dave Rubin's producer. This is what happens. Just confirming you received my email. Yes. Oh my God. Everybody wants a piece, Michael. Um, Did he send you messages on three platforms like I did? He sent me them on two. <laughs> Just wait. The text is coming. Yeah, that was the text. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> he, he's not going to be able to DM me because I don't follow him. So I don't check those DMs unless I follow the person. Um, repeat your question, please. Are, are elections as we know them over? Yes. No, not, not not over. They're they're a long way in that direction because for starting in 2020, uh, and and corporate media is really bad at causing amnesia with everyone. They're very good at causing it with their own people because they have this kind of floating history timeline where like if it doesn't happen six months ago and the screen doesn't tell you about it, you pretend it doesn't exist. We have always been at war with Yeah, yeah. So for four years we're told this 2020 wasn't legitimate, not my president. He was installed with Russia. Uh, you don't have to listen to anything he says. He doesn't belong there. Fine. And then Biden gets elected. We're told overnight this was the most secure election we've ever had. How you could come to this conclusion without investigating it is literally makes no sense. Um, how President Trump, who's the worst president in history, took us from the most insecure election in history to the most secure makes no sense. And you had enormous percentage of the is it 90% of Republicans thought the election was stolen. This is great. Uh, I don't think any election is legitimate. I think every vote is a con. I think every vote is a lie. So to have that breakdown and faith in what uh, corporate media loves to refer to as our democracy is wonderful because there's no reason for anyone to be governed by someone who they despised. And the only reason we accept this even as a hypothesis is because we're trained to believe this in kindergarten. So if I, I want to have the doctor I want, I want to have the lawyer I want. I want to have this grocery store I want, but I hate President Trump. Well, too bad he's your president. Why? It makes no sense. so stupid. No, he's not. I don't want him to be my president. I want to be governed by someone who represents my values to some extent, who's at least somewhat part of my culture. And it, just because he's unpopular or a lot of other people in some state I don't know don't want that, I don't care. And uh, there's no reason for me to care. Yeah, I feel like we are in this. I mean, this almost sounds like, you know, new agey or something, but we're in this epoch where there's like a lifting of the veil. Like, is that how it's pronounced? I thought it was epic. See, this is another thing. Is it well, epic? Well, well, epic is like. I know, but I think they're pronounced the still. It's like the I see EPOC. I always thought it was epoch, like a historical epoch. Epic. It is epic. Gosh dang it. But it makes sense to pronounce them differently because they're different words. All right. Well, I'm going to blame whoever I've heard say epoch. Okay. Uh, maybe I just made it up. But it's like the, like a veil is lifted, right? Like elections have always been. No, it's both. Bullshit. Oh, see, that makes me feel better. 
Yeah, the different page says different. One page says it's only one. The other page says. Well, which one is NewsGuard certified, though? (laughs) (laughs) I'm on Merriam-Webster, but I was also on um, uh, on uh, Oxford. Okay. It's it's, by the way, I saw this hilarious uh, Babylon Bee headline. It was like libertarian man tells everyone that he's always known all elections are illegitimate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that great, by the way, how um, when I was growing up and you were growing up, like who were the least funny people? Like conservatives, women, religious people, right? No, women. (laughs) Women. (laughs) It's always women. Come on. That's an easy one. And it's so funny. Ugly with it. I never thought the like hip, cool, edgy, funny people would be sort of like culturally, politically conservative people. Um, Because they were always boring. They're always telling you that you were being bad. Don't be naughty. Babylon B people are great. They are. They are great. They wrote an article for me for my birthday. It was one of the great achievements for me. Twenty serious? Yeah. They they had it. It was. um, Hold on. It was something like. Uh, they mentioned me verbatim uh, in the article. It's re- it was like holy crap, guys! This is one of those things you put on the wall. Um, where is it? Oh, gosh, no. I, I mean, I've been on there. Um, there was something about an anarchist, and they mentioned me in the article. Uh, it was like anarchist platform of no. Um, shoot. Okay. Anyway, I'll find it. Yeah. You need a research team for these types. Oh, here it is. No, no, I found it. So anarchist presidential candidate releases comprehensive zero point plan. (laughs) And then they mentioned me in in the article. It says anarchist commentator Michael Malice came out and supported the plan, saying he particularly appreciated point zero of the plan, (laughs) as well as point zero through zero. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, um, all right. We've got a little bit of time here. 20 minutes, 25 minutes, maybe. We, are you willing to get a little weird? Sure. I like weird. Weird are my okay. people. So are we this, taking our pants off? <laughs> oh, you have, you have, I have pajama pants. pants on. I'm taking them off. <laughs> yeah. Now we're getting weird. Getting um, pants this, this might be a good time for you to, to shill your, uh, they're off underwear. It is that you're uh, sheath underwear. I'm not taking my underwear off. If you go to sheathunderwear.com and use promo code malice 20, you get 20% off. They're there the best go. underwear. So, so in your, in your, uh, Tim pool, Alex Jones thing, yeah, you guys kind of got into, um, some sort of metaphysical stuff, you know, talking about, uh, you know, whether the globalists are trying to sacrifice things to demons or whatever. And Tim was talking about ghosts and it was all very interesting. And I thought you were, you were way more like, um, comfortable with that type of stuff. I guess I had just assumed you were like a, like one of those like materialists who's just like, this is the dumbest conversation ever. It's irrational. Shut it down. I don't know why I thought that. I just assumed that. So you surprised me. I would love to know your like, I, I maybe it's too big of a question. Like, what, what is reality, Michael? <laughs> you are metaphysics. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, I, I don't know what you mean. Well, okay. Let's, let's bring it to something concrete. And maybe this ties into uh, some of the stuff we we're talking about with CIA media. Why all? Why does there seem to be a huge spike in news coverage of UFO sightings? What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I mean, Rogan is obsessed with this. Lex, when he's on the show, I think talks about it a lot. Is um, this a coincidence? Is it just like in the zeitgeist? I, I, 
I, I have noticed that also. I think what's happened, haven't you? I'm not at all informed of the subject. Yeah, is I that, feel like it uh, went from not acceptable to completely acceptable in polite company to talk about UFOs. But I think it's also because a lot more prominent people in governments, whether they're trolling or whether they're lying or who knows what the answer is, have come out and said, yeah, this is real and we have evidence. And it's not like some rando, you know, in some... Uh, marginalized community where people could be like, haha, he's an idiot. It's like, no, no, this is a high up person. So we need to at least engage with what they're saying. <clears throat> I know I believe in it completely because my grandfather was an air traffic controller in Russia. And he said, we saw this kind of thing fairly regularly, like, like um, things that were not uh, corresponding to the motions of, and these are high level professionals who stare at those screens all day and they, they know about the little, okay, this is a, this is a bird or it's some aberration. So if he's like, yeah, yeah, this is absolutely a thing. I have no doubt that he's um, telling the truth. And that's the other thing, like for a long time, despite people trying to sweep this under the rug, a lot of these sightings were from like air force people, you know, and these are people who are used to sophisticated aircrafts. They're used to understanding how things work within parameters. Uh, like you were, you know, and, and now they're seeing like, okay, this, is acting like nothing I've ever seen. They've seen thunder. They've seen storks. You know, they've seen the cutting edge of American technology. And, and then, you know, when Russia collapsed, it's not like if they were they had the UFOs, people would kind of find out about it in a more peaceful world. So we don't know what what's going on. Um, and I, yeah, I, I don't I don't have any. I, I'm not that interested in this subject, to be honest. Yeah, I heard you say that that you you know you're looking up at the stars and you know what's out there, other planets. I hate that stuff. Yeah. And that's fascinating that you both say, uh, yeah, clearly these people are telling the truth. There's something they, that people are observing something that no one seems to know what it is and figuring out what that is. Isn't that interesting to you? Well, I, I feel like this is the kind of thing where I, I, if the, if they, if they have alien craft, they're doing such a good job of keeping under wraps or muddying the waters that this is not a rabbit hole. That's going to be fruitful. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's <clears throat> But here's the thing. Let's suppose there have been like these um, drones from another galaxy that have been on Earth for 100 years. It's cool. I've no, just doing the math, there's no doubt that there's life somewhere in the universe. The people can't even wrap their heads around how many planets there are, how many galaxies there are. It's statistically, in my view, impossible that Earth is unique. That it makes no sense to me, um, especially because if you see how many places life has generated on Earth, it's different ecosystems and so on and so forth, even just on one planet. Like, okay, so now there's this drone from another planet. Who, care, like, who cares? It's not, there's not an alien on it. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it, it does not seem that interesting to me. Maybe this is the difference between the uh, being red-pilled and being red-pilled to death or crazy. Or what did you say? You take one red pill, not the whole bottle. Right, you yeah. You say that somewhere. Because I think a lot of people end up you find a thread of something like, oh my gosh, uh, the press has been lying to us about this political scandal or, oh my right. gosh, there really are aliens. And then you go down it until you lose your ability to conduct normal life, but you don't yeah. gain any additional clarity. Work to think critically. Yeah. It's like Mulder only ever got more questions in the X-File. I mean, I guess right. he had some things, but it, what, what did it do for his life? Right? Like you can, you can lose it in the pursuit of that. So you're, you're very much like, um, show me when it means something directly to my life. And then maybe I'll be motivated to go dig deeper. Or if I, I see some fruitful end. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think the UFO stuff is that interesting at all. 
Now, <clears throat> what about like here's the thing: like if if you learn that the aliens are for this planet or for that planet, who cares? These planets don't they don't effectively they they're all just abstractions. It's not like they're on Mars. Right. Or let's suppose they had a base on Mars. Okay, that's pretty cool. So what? Yeah, right. What? What? what is it? How's it going to change what I do tomorrow? Yeah, and Mars is effectively the same thing as Alpha Centauri in a sense. It's like I'm not going there. It's 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 completely removed from my reality. Yeah, right. It might as well be. Uh, yeah, exactly. So okay, so <clears throat> I heard you talking about. You almost sounded a little like um, I don't know, like some sort of like spiritual guru or something talking about uh reson not resonating frequencies but you were talking about uh things like synchronicities or something on yeah. the tim tim cast and it was making me wonder like do you have a kind of worldview or a spiritual or or a metaphysic that that does relate to your personal life that gives you something um you know, that you feel can, can improve your life, a, a view of how everything works that kind of comes, that actually affects your day-to-day -day behavior. Yes. I think at a certain point, when you understand the matrix code enough, you can start to rewrite it a little bit. Um, and I, and at, it also, it's, it becomes academic, whether this is some real, you know, spiritual, metaphysical, magic, ooga booga stuff. Yeah. Or if it's, if it's, it, it, there's that, uh, was it Arthur C. Clarke, um, who said at a certain point, technology becomes instinctual from ma magic. My addendum to that is at a certain point, intelligence becomes indistinguishable from telepathy. We know what dogs are thinking. Uh, we can read their minds. And, the, you know, it's so at a certain point, when you talk to certain people, you know what's going on in their heads if you're smart enough, because they're not that sophisticated. And I also think when you have a certain size platform, you could start to affect change uh, just through power of will because people seem to think, well, they're, they're despondent because I'm never going to get a majority of Americans to agree with me. It's like, how many people in the Senate? A hundred? How many Supreme Court justices are there? Nine? There's one president. You don't need to convince 350 million people of anything. They're of very little relevance. What you need to do is to convince one or two or important elites or just on the secondary tier of people who are intelligent and the ones who are moving culture. How many political commentators are there? 10,000, let's say. Uh, if you influence a thousand of them, you mean you're moving the earth. So uh, that's the kind of thing that I am uh, talking about. To have pe people on Fox referring to you know, the corporate press, that's a direct function of me instead of the mainstream press. So this is a very marginal change, but I think it's a marginal change in a very healthy direction. Do you feel like you have a mission in life? Yes. Kill everyone now. Condone cannibalism. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> uh, that's where Pink Flamingos. Uh, I don't know that I have a mission. I, I At this point, I feel like a surfer. So you, so what, what motivates you then, um, at, you know, as a surfer, I, I take that metaphor as you're, you're enjoying yourself. Uh, there are waves, they're potentially dangerous, but potentially fun. And you're not trying to fight them. You're trying to yeah. ride them. Um, is it just kind of the, the joy and fulfillment of that process that motivates you? I, I mean, yeah, I get to do what I want all the time. So that's very, very motivating. I get to, this is everyone's, every author's wet dream. I get to write whatever I want and know it'll be worth my time in every sense of the word. Um, I get, it's really great because you're now that we're all 
now that we're old fuddy-duddies, Isaac, to have these kids coming up and have them be so talented and inspired and like hungry for leadership. And uh, to be that person is just shocking to me, uh, which I never envisioned. Although I guess it's kind of inevitable. You still never think of yourself that way. Like when you reach a certain kind of audience, people are going to look up to you. Um, So, I mean, things are, you know, this is why I was like, why is he texting me? It's like, I'm at a point and and you can imagine this very well when at a certain point, things become exponential and then it gets really tough because you have to make those choices. What's going to have to be dropped. And I'm at that point and it's not a fun point at all uh, because then you're going to have to start, stop doing things that you like because there's other things you like more. And yeah, it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. It's like yeah. when you're going to have to choose between your kids, you know, someone's going to have to go and it's going to be a tough choice, but it's obviously <laughs> yeah. going to be one of the girls. Yeah. I already know. It's, it's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> and she knows that's the important thing. <laughs> um, mommy and daddy love you. Mommy and daddy love you very much, but <laughs> <laughs> when do you think the tipping point came? Cause I'm trying to think about uh, how many years ago it was when we talked last. And I felt like you were kind of like, you know, you're writing, I think you were, you were still writing dear, dear reader at the time. I don't think you had finished it yet. Um, okay. I think you had been to North Korea, but it hadn't come out. Your Kickstarter was maybe live. I'm not sure, but you were kind of like, you were doing some podcasting. You were showing up on the, I think Kennedy show or whatever, every once in a while doing your ghostwriting. And it was like, it felt like you were on the edge of this. I get to do whatever the hell I want. When was that tipping point? Was it like, after you went on Joe Rogan, was there a, was there a moment when you said, now I'm here? I would say in the last, um, was it August? So not that long ago when I was at a point where my show nightshade at a nightly news show on compound media, which is a dream for so many people, you know, like you have a show, it's just your opinion on the news. You get a decent paycheck for it. And to be in a position where not only was I able, but I had to be like, I have to let this go. I think that is a major, that was when it's like, all right, like now you really have a lot of freedom to like burn things down and tear things up. Um, And I think the fact that I have been the most prominent advocate for and translator of this chaos that we're seeing in politics and people aren't understanding because at first it would be like, okay, you're a crazy person or you're being silly or like, okay, this is a performative And then when things that I'm predicting and advocating for are reaching fruition, a lot of people um, who, you know, not necessarily mainstream people because they are, they can't even countenance these ideas because things fall apart for them are like, okay, this guy isn't just talking out of his ass. He is talking out of his ass, but not entirely. (laughs) Maybe I should put my pants back Uh, on. Give me, give me some, uh, give me some predictions of what comes next then. I think things are going to uh, escalate in ways that it's when things escalate, it becomes very, very hard to predict. And I think what we saw with the storming of the Capitol is something that a ruling class has to avoid at all costs, which is any kind of symbols of weakness. When you have a guy from Burning Man being able to walk in with no resistance and slap his dick on Nancy Pelosi's desk, um, and have the politicians cowering under their tables. Um, this is not a sign of an empire at its powers. The Did fact that he put in a bid for that uh, speaker podium on eBay. <laughs> is that great? Um, so 
I have Alex Jones, t- Jones tinfoil hat. I'm thinking of putting that on eBay to raise money for some charity, uh, but it's in my kitchen right now. Uh, I think when you have at the same time, you're seeing this in Scotland, you saw it in Canada, you, when you have video of cops raiding people's homes, um, old people, these, this isn't some kind of hooligans, these aren't drug dealers, you know, which I'm obviously have nothing against, or like some kind of, you know, child porn, which obviously like, yes, let's raid those houses. Uh, and you see how they're behaving. Uh, the fact that I have never seen in my lifetime, and I, I bet you haven't either, any population turn on one of their core issues as hard, as fast as conservatives on the police. I never, and I am, I've, I've always said all cops are criminals. I have never seen anything like this. Now, the left kind of forgot about being anti-war when Obama got elected, but they didn't become hardcore pro-war. The conservatives for years uh, who police were their protected class. You bring up cops to the conservatives is like bringing up minorities to the Democrats. They can't wait to fight. Oh, look at me. I'm marching on Selma. It's great. I get to yell at you. They flipped so hard, so fast. And I'm a big part of that. And I'm very glad that I'm able to be a part of that. Uh, and when you have that happen, um, that is really when interesting things start to happen. And it could be interesting in a very bad way, but I think it's going to be interesting in a very good way. Yeah, that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I think it was um, years and years and years ago. I think it was in a book by Tolstoy. Maybe it was like the law of love and the law of violence or something. But he had some 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 quote in there. It was like, look, you don't win sort of for freedom. And he was more or less an anarchist. But, yes, yeah. Um, until the police and the military realize what they're doing is wrong and stop doing it. And I think that's something that is almost always neglected um, among sort of libertarians and even anarchists. Sometimes it's a lot of talk about constraining the system and changing this or that law or this fighting for this or that freedom. And it's like the people enforcing it at the end of a baton or a gun, at the end of the day, that's the only way that this shit happens. Yeah. Like people, and I've tweeted this, police and military obeying the law is the single source of all the greatest violence in human history. It's like this. What, what state are you in, Isaac? Uh, I don't want to tell you that. No, I'm in Tennessee. Okay. So, but let's suppose you're in California, right? And Gavin Newsom says, you can't go to dinner tonight, even though I'm going to dinner at this restaurant. Without the cops, good to know, Gavin, I'm going to dinner. And right. what's he going to do about it? So I have no, people are like, oh, you can't blame the cops. You have to blame the politicians. If I hire a hitman, we're both to blame. If I'm driving the getaway car when you're robbing the bank, we're both to blame. This idea that it's binary is is complete. It makes no sense on any level. It's just because they don't want to attack the cops because the cops yeah. are kind of lower status than the politicians. But it's like, let the politicians pass whatever laws they want. You could just say, that's cool. Blow me. I'm going to live my life peaceably. Uh, if you think me eating at this restaurant is going to cause Corona, sorry, th- don't go to this restaurant. Don't come near me. What, okay. So at this thing at the Capitol, why was there not more police resistance? I, weren't they told? Weren't the day before they pulled the cops? I, I don't know the details. I just know I've I've heard people saying, where were the cops? And I've heard people saying there are pictures of cops basically moving out of the way and letting people through. The- yeah, there's video. Yeah, video. So why? Who's, whose word was that? And why do you think that is? Because like you said, I, I agree that the one thing a state must do is show you like, that you may never threaten them. You can burn down anything you want as long as it's not Congress, right? Right. Um, so why would they? Why would they not have freaking, you know, armies of police out there? 
Well, they they broke through. They had a, a a line of cops, I think, with like riot gear, and they broke through them. But I think it was also, I would guess, I have no information about this, but this would make sense to me that the order was all right. If they're in ca- capital and they're not hurting anyone, they don't have guns, they're not setting fires, they're literally just walking around like tourists. Like you really don't want to escalate the situation because the cost benefit might be very, very extreme. So that would actually be a, a very smart move. Uh, like which visual would be worse, right? The Viking guy at Pelosi's desk or the Capitol on fire? I mean, the Capitol on fire is, you know, is, is also going to be not a very good visual for the state. Okay, so you suspect it was maybe just a, a strategic calculation. This had to have been an order. I mean, because yeah. they could have had backup in seconds. This is the DC. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 rather the play is rather than stop them with overwhelming force on the ground, let them run around and have their day, and then we're going to make an example of them after the fact. Or we're going to use this as an excuse to Patriot Act too. Which I think is maybe part and parcel of the same thing. Make example of them and use this as an excuse, right, to go after. And I just want to point out to everyone who's delusional um, that I'm going to use that aggressive word. Did you really think Patriot Two wasn't coming anyway? This is what I love. Where they're like, "Well, now they have a reason." Beto O'Rourke was on the debate stage saying, "We're coming for your guns." Kamala Harris was saying, "We need to kick the president off of Twitter." These people are authoritarian to the core, and they do not need a reason to advocate for their position. They were going to go for this anyway. The only question is, do they have the capacity to impose it? That's all it comes down to. What do you think about protests in general? I, like, I don't know that I have a particular like, insight. Oh, yay, this is great. This is a good thing people should protest. Or like, oh, this is just totally ineffective and stupid. I don't, I don't think either. I could see how people get a sense of community and, and it's kind of a you know shared lived experience to use an awful term. But I don't think, uh, I, I had this tweet. I said, the difference between uh, insurrection and resistance is corporate sponsorship. So protests are great if you know uh, Amazon's backing you. And if Amazon's not backing you, you're obviously a white nationalist Nazi who wants to take over the government. So uh, if people want to take part of it in this kind of communal you know, orgy, porgy, brave new world thing, you know, go for it. <laughs> On a personal level, has that ever appealed to you? No, I'm, I'm an introvert and I, I don't like um, uh, crowds and people yelling. And I don't like, li- like listening to most speakers. They're not going to, I mean, at a protest, you're not going to really, the speech is to rile people up. It's not yeah. to be yeah. in, 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 insightful particularly. Yeah. There's something about being lost in the spirit of the mob, this collective will that doesn't appeal to me and just the uncertainty. Like, I don't know, mobs are disturbing because you just don't know what's going to happen next. I don't really want to be anywhere near that kind of thing. You know? Yeah. These aren't going to be particularly bright or sophisticated people. Uh, I know we're going to fine. Dim, uh, midwits. Is that what you would call them? No. Okay. Do you know well, what a midwit is? I hated how words lose, lose their meaning. Okay, well, define midwit for me. What I'm do you think it means? It what's that? What do you think it means? Like somebody who's um, smart enough to uh, to not realize how dumb they are. I don't know. Like not a really stupid person. Somebody who's kind of smart, which is almost what makes it worse. Do you think that the people in protests that would describe them as kind of smart? Yeah, that's probably not a that's probably not a midwit. A midwit would not go out and uh, well, some would with a buffalo. Some would sure, but I don't think a midwit is someone who has uh, IQ one standard deviation above the norm. If you don't like IQ, whatever, they're smarter than the average. So they are marginally intelligent, but in the same way, if someone is 5'11", 
they are tall because they're taller than average, but no one would ever comment on their height. It, and there might be some rooms where they would be the tallest person. Uh, it, it would never come up. So a midwit who is definitionally intelligent, but whose intelligence is of no particular interest or insight will desperately invoke any need that they can to demonstrate their intelligence over other people, but they do this in very ham-fisted ways because they're not particularly bright. Uh, so they do very much project them, and they they very much like to engage in um, intellectual condescension, but poorly. So they're big on correcting spelling, but they don't understand that periods and commas go inside quotation marks. So they'll be at the second grade level, but they won't be at the college level. So this would be like my wife trying to class up the house with plants, but getting the plants from Lowe's. No, that's just having low taste. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not. It was a callback. I was trying to bring it all back to the beginning. Since it's embarrassing. <laughs> you are so white. It's not even funny. It's just a so. Hey, my name is Isaac Morehouse. Okay. That is a very black name. I get it. I get mistaken for a black guy all the time when people read my name places. When the pants are off. Is that what's, that what's I happening? I was named after the bartender from the love boat. I mean, come on. Is that true? No, it's oh. from the Bible. <laughs> it could be both. It could be. That's true. Yeah. Hey, man, um, I know you've got, you know, uh, all of the movers and shakers beating down your door to come make sense of the world. So thanks for taking, taking the time. My pleasure, Isaac. Always a pleasure. All right. Talk to you later.